We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Well, good morning. Good morning, Peak City. How are you guys doing today? Wow. This row's excited. All right, all right, all right. Well, um, Petey will be back next week. He has been this whole month. He's been on, in the church world, what we call a sabbatical, which is a much-needed break for a leader who is leading that well. But also, you know, Petey's mentioned that his heart is to be in this game for the long term, and this is how he needs to do it. He needs to take breaks and get alone with God and hear and have fresh vision for the next season. So not only am I glad that he's doing it, but he's also setting a great example for us all having great rhythms of rest and rhythms of getting with God in seasons. So, you know, we celebrate that. We're glad, but we're pumped about having him back next week as well. But I get to preach today in last uh, summer message with him gone, but it's a privilege to get to do this. And today, just to kind of set up the, the message, I just want to open up with a story about something that happened to me whenever I was probably sixth grade or something like that, around sixth grade. I remember I grew up in a family where, you know, we never really had a lot of money, but no matter what, what kind of culture you grow up in, you always desire to be, you know, you, you want to impress people. You want people to feel like you belong there. And I just remember there was a season where there was a certain pair of jeans, a certain brand of jeans that was super popular. I could not afford them. But my mom, how many of you grew up wearing garage sale clothes? All right, that's me. And my mom happened to find a pair of these Gerbo jeans. Okay, anybody know these? You know what's up? Okay, the funny thing is, I'm researching these, and these are the exact jeans that I had. As I'm researching it, some of the girls are laughing already. Um, there were no photos of any jeans like this that belonged to men. If it had the white tag and the straight lines, it was girls' jeans. Those are the ones I had, by the way. So I'm wearing them one day at school, and I'm just like impressing everybody. Everybody's like, man, he normally wears some pretty ratty stuff, but today he's stepping in with Jabos. Man, look how impressive this guy is. I made a mistake though, fatal flaw, I didn't realize it. I wore them again the next day. So I go to school and I wear them again and I'm just like, I'm all excited, you know, I'm like, I'm wearing this again, I'm so pumped. And somebody says to me early in the morning, you wore those yesterday. And I said, no, I didn't. I have multiple pairs of the same jean. And I wanted to fit in. I wanted people to feel like I belong, like I was somebody. But the truth is, I did wear those the day before. And today, I want to preach to you a message called, You Wore That Yesterday. You Wore That Yesterday. If you're taking notes, it's going to be a few moments, and you see things on the screen, you're going to want to write them down. And I really believe that there are things in our lives that even though we are following Jesus, even though we, are, we want to become more like him, there are things in our lives that we wear again and again and again, and we keep the same outfit forever when Jesus is trying to give us a new outfit, a new wardrobe, a new us. There's a, there's a verse in Ephesians 2, and we're going to be in Ephesians most of this morning. But Ephesians 2, verse 10. It's a popular verse. Maybe you've read it. But I love this, this picture and this vision for your life. It says that we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things 
he planned for us. Now, I love that verse, and it's so encouraging. You're God's masterpiece. Even when you don't feel like it, you are God's masterpiece. So here's the thing. You are also in progress. So you are God's masterpiece, but you're not there yet. You're God's masterpiece, but you're still in progress. And you might feel like this meme that I see every now and then pop up on my feed, that even though you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that's how you look when you look in the mirror. You know you're not quite there yet, but God is working on you. You're, you're in progress. You're, you're on the way to something, but you're not there yet. It's like when somebody says, you know that backhanded compliment, like she has or he has potential? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like they could be something great, but they're not quite there. They're kind of wasted potential right now. They, they could be something. And, and it's almost like that's how I feel so many times in, in my Christian life. It's like, I know God's made me special and unique, and he's made me for something, but I don't always live up to what he's called me to. And yesterday I had kind of an eye-opening moment. Uh, so Dorf, our middle school pastor, um, invited me to go hike Mount, Mount Beardstadt. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, I got to preach Sunday, so I don't think I'm going to push my body that much. So I decided to hike Pikes Peak instead with my daughter, Brooklyn. Stay local, you know? Um, and I'm so glad I didn't go with you because of the story that I'm about to tell. Uh, so Brooklyn and I go and we hike Pikes Peak on the backside, on the west side, Craig's, Craig's campground is where we started. So we're hiking up and it's no problem for me. I'm having a great time. I'm like, man, I can run up this mountain right now. I'm feeling awesome. But Brooklyn is struggling. She's having a hard time and she is, you know, heavy breathing, just tired. She's stopping at, at certain steep parts. I mean, it's 4,000 feet of gain and we clocked over 15 miles total. It's pretty steep. It's, it's an intense but awesome hike. But she's struggling at parts and she's breathing heavy. And there were moments where she was stopping every 100 feet and just like, and just waiting for a minute, two minutes. And I'm just like, I'm getting frustrated. And, and I'm trying to like be encouraging at first, but then I'm, at some point I'm like, Brooklyn, we'll never get up there if you don't put one foot in front of the other and start walking. Come on, let's do this. And I'm starting to put the pressure on her and she's getting mad at me. She is so mad on this hike. We stopped for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I ain't never smiled more than having a peanut butter jelly sandwich, but we were not smiling. We were, we were struggling at that moment. You know, she's struggling physically. She's mad at me. I'm frustrated with her. We finally get up there and everything starts to smooth out, you know, and then like, you know, we start getting sleeted on. We're like, we got to get down this mountain. So we start going down the mountain. And if you know Pike's Peak area, you know, that last mile or so is like, you're kind of just bouldering. You're climbing these rocks to get up. And on the way down, we're like, we got to go down quick. And I'm thinking I'm a lot younger than I am. And I start running down these boulders. And I'm hopping from boulder to boulder. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just going down like no problem. I get about a mile down though. And all of a sudden, the sharp pain starts in my knees, on the sides of my knees. And every step, it gets worse and worse. And, and whether it's a, a, a shallow incline or the deeper ones, I just can't do it. And we get to this spot where these guys had been hiking with a stick in front of us, and he, one of the guys throws a stick down. And I look at that stick, and I'm like, that is going to save my life. So I pick up that stick, and I'm not kidding you, I had six miles left to go. And I climb over half of that six miles backwards down Pikes Peak. So I've got, I've got a stick, and I'm walking down Pikes Peak. Do you see why? I'm, you're, you're probably glad I didn't go with you either. But I, can you imagine that happening with, like, Dorf and the other cool kids? But, like, it was me in Brooklyn, so she was, it, it was just very interesting. I'm going down backwards, 
was trying to save my knees because I just physically could not handle the pain of going down. And I was, I was making like physical noise because it was hurting so bad. And what I noticed in that moment is I'm looking ahead of me as Brooklyn's going down. And she would stop every few feet and she would check on me. Dad, are you doing okay? How are you, Dad? Are you fine? And she would walk every now and then and she would stop and she would check to see how it was doing. And I just felt in that moment, I'm like in so much pain, you know, and I'm asking God, God, why is this happening? And I remember him, he just, like, it was so clear. He was like, I want you to see the difference between how she's responding and how you responded. And this moment, you have to remember this. Because I'm like, I still got four miles, five miles to go. And I'm like, when is this trail ever going to end? And I just remember God saying, this has to hurt because you have to remember this that she responded so different. And my 16-year-old daughter, almost 16, had more of Jesus in her in that, in that moment, in that extreme moment than I did. And there are so many moments in our lives that can happen like that where you realize, I'm not there yet. Like we just sang, he's not done with me yet. He's still got a lot of work to do in my life. And that was one of those moments, like it happens every day, it seems like, for me. But it's like Jesus is trying to say, I want you to become this thing that I'm creating you to be. So, so I'm going to read to you a few verses in Ephesians 4, and I want you to hear this. This may sound legalistic because Paul's like asking the followers of Jesus to do something, okay? And, and, and I really believe that when God does that, when he asks something of us, he's not trying to get you to become works-oriented or trying to, trying to like, you know, it's not about what we do for him, all that stuff. It's not, I'm not trying to make it be religious or legalistic. He wants the best for you, okay? So, so look at what Ephesians 4.21 says. Since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, here's the key, throw off your old sinful nature. In your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception and impatience and fear, all of those things that can stay around forever. He's like, that's not you anymore. Throw it off. Instead, let the Spirit renew. And I'm going to come back to that verse in a sec, that phrase in a second. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So what does Paul say? Paul says, there's some things in us. He had just finished saying that God has created you to be his masterpiece. But in order for you to get there, there's some things you've got to shed. You've got to throw some things off and put some things on. And and it's not legalistic. He's saying, I'm I'm telling you, this is going to be the best thing in the world for you if you learn how to shed the things that don't belong anymore. I, I heard a story about a sheep that got lost. A couple of years ago in Australia, the sheep was named Barak. So Barak the sheep is wandering for years in the Australian bush, and he finally gets found. And, and this, what you see in this photo, is 75 pounds of wool and sticks that Barak had ended up piling on itself. So he's wandering around just with all this extra weight, and they end up finding Barak the sheep, return him to the shepherd. The shepherd shears him and starts to bring him back to health. And Barak is doing so much better today. He's kind of a little bit of a celebrity. So Barak's doing great now. Um, what's interesting about this sheep is that Barak the sheep couldn't shed its wool. Couldn't. Because, because that breed of sheep and so many breeds of sheep today have been bred by man to hold on to what God designed them to let go of. 
So their, so their bread to hold on to the wool, to grow it forever, so that man could come in and shear the wool and make a profit on this animal. And, and you know, we, we actually do the same thing all the time here. I mean, how many noodle poodles do we need? We've got golden doodles and, and purple doodles. and We've got every possible doodle that there could be. I mean, we've got everything, right? Everything has a little bit of a curly hair now and it doesn't shed. That's what we want. But man has, like, adjusted animals to, to be unnatural. Anytime you see something that doesn't shed, most of the time, that's man that has touched it and changed its DNA in some way. Think about all the things in nature that shed. And there's so many things that shed skin and shed leaves and shed fur and all of these things. They're designed by God to let go of old casings, old fur, old leaves, whatever it was, it has to happen so that the new thing can come, right? It, it has to happen. And we are designed the same way. We are designed to let go of, to shed the things that have to be removed in order for us to step into being fearfully and wonderfully made, or at least looking fearfully and wonderfully made. Because you're, you know, God's design, and even though right now you're not there, I'm not there, you know, you're still fearfully and wonderfully made by God, but you're in progress. And there are some things today that you've got to shed. There are some things that you've got to let go of. And here's the thing that's crazy is, like, when you look back at Barack the sheep, put that photo of, of, of Barack all full of wool again. When you look back at this, I mean, it almost looks like Barack is a pretty muscular sheep or a, like a healthy sheep. But, but Barack was malnourished under all of that. So, so, so even though you may have a lot of layers and it may look to other people or even to yourself, like you've got stuff in your life that you need and you feel like, oh, I don't know who I would be without this. And I need this in order to impress other people. Those things that we keep on can actually end up leading to our detriment and our sickness spiritually if we don't learn to shed that. So your appearance and how you look and how you sound, all that stuff doesn't matter as much as who are you under all that? And that's what Jesus is trying to get to. He's like, I'm trying to get you to shed this stuff because I'm concerned about the health under all those layers. So Paul's talking and he's like, it almost seems like Paul's contradicting himself. He's like, he's like, you need to throw off, you need to put on, but let the Holy Spirit do it. So the question, you know, when I read that, I'm like, well, which is it, Paul? Is it God or is it me? And the answer is yes, it is. It is God and it is you. There are some things that we've got to shed, but here's the thing. That phrase, there's a phrase in, even just in the book of Ephesians, you see the phrase in Christ 30 times. Why is that? I think it's because what Paul is trying to say is like, yeah, you've got to shed some things. You've got to put on some things. But he's trying to remind us again and again, you can't do it without Christ. You can't do it without him, without the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's talk about what that looks like, shedding and putting on. I think, you know, when you look at this, you've got to, cons you've got to remember there's a, there's a couple of things that happen in your shedding and in your putting on something new. There's a, there's a term in the Bible called righteousness, and there's a term in the Bible, holiness. And those two things, they're, they're, they're mutually, you know, they're so important, and they go together, and they work together, but they are different. They're different than each other. God does the work in all of it, ultimately, but, they, but we need to approach them differently. If you're taking notes, and here's the second thing I want you to write down. Your new nature is all Christ. But putting it on is on you. So your new nature, yeah, it's Jesus that does it. But putting it on is you. So when you think about righteousness, what righteousness is, 
Righteousness is a word that means you're standing with God. It, it really means just right standing with God. You are in the right place with God the Father. Jesus did it all. There's nothing you can add to that. The Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to add to our righteousness. Jesus did it all. But your holiness is different. Your holiness, holy literally means set apart, different than the rest. So when you think about people in the Bible who were set apart, Samson or John the Baptist or Jesus, these people set themselves apart to be holy, to walk like Jesus, to walk like God. So there's a difference. There's a righteousness that is imputed to us, given to us by God. It's all him. But then there's a holiness that we say, God, I see what you did, and I step into out of appreciation and love for you. I step into what you called me to, a life of holiness and shedding the things that don't belong and putting on what does. So there's a huge difference here. And it's not just, it's about the way we live. It's at the deepest core of us. It's not just, it's not just how we sound because the truth is, if you've been in church any amount of time, you have learned how to impress people. You came in today and some people may have said, how are you doing? And you said, because I don't want people to know who I really am, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. Now, not all of you do it. Some of you have a real problem with honesty, and you don't mind telling everybody everything, and we don't have time for all of that. But, I do. but some of us, we learn to when, when in certain situations, I have to be okay in this circle. I can't be me in this circle. I can't be real. So we learn to say certain things to where we sound like we've got it together. A layer of wool, right? It's on top of us. makes us look different than we really are. I remember a few years ago, I was playing, like, playing this airplane thing in the living room with our kids, and I had pillows set up for some reason, and we're in this plane on the floor, and I'm just talking, you know, and I'm like, oh, we're about to make our landing down in Denver, Colorado, everyone buckle up, and, you know, I'm just acting like a pilot, and my daughter says to me, she says, Dad, you do that so well, you should be a pilot, <laughs> and I was like, well, thanks, babe, I appreciate that, um, but I do realize that it's a lot different there's a big difference between sounding like a pilot and being a pilot, right? I just, I had to get, I'm, I'm like certified as a drone operator and I barely passed that test. <laughs> I know some of you guys are like pilots because you're Air Force or whatever in here and like next level brain work there. I mean, that's incredible. There's a big difference between sounding like a thing, looking like a thing and being a thing from the inside out. And that's what Jesus is trying to do in us and what Paul is challenging to us to is Jesus cares more about you. He cares too much about you to let you stay where you are. I want you to become more like me. I want you to grow. I want you to change. And, and here's the thing, you know, we just talked about, it said to let the Holy Spirit do it in verse 23. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Uh, yesterday when we were on that hike in Pikes Peak, there was a moment when my hat blew off of me because it's so windy up there, right? It can get really windy. And, and I remember this happening on a hike years ago, first time I'd ever experienced it, where the wind caught me, God bless you, the wind caught me just right on the way down this hike. And it was almost like I didn't even have to walk. It caught me just behind the back, and you can almost just put your arms out, and the wind just almost pushed me down the trail. 
And it was such an interesting feeling because I'm like, you know, it's, it's hard work to hike, to walk through the woods or, or to see these amazing views. And it was just this perfect moment when the wind was giving me exactly what I needed to make it effortlessly. And that's what I felt like God, even while I was hiking, spoke that to me. This is what it's like to walk in step with me. I'm not forcing you down the trail, but it's going to be easier than you could possibly imagine when we do it together. That there's going to be a moment you're going to put some effort, and I'm going to put some effort. And you're going to put some effort, and I'm going to put some effort. And together, you're going to become more like Christ. Your witness is going to be stronger. You're going to become, you're going to become the picture of what it looks like to be fearfully and wonderfully made by God in the image of God. And so, so there's a partnership there that has to happen. But Ephesians 4.30 says this. We keep going down the chapter. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. So God cares about how we live. He cares about the way that we live. He says, remember, he he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And what's interesting about this is it says God has identified you. What does that mean? He says, first, first of all, in that first verse we read, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is a creator God who created you, and his handprints and his fingerprints are all over you, and he has designed you for something. He has, he has put his mark on you. And what does his mark look like? I believe his mark looks like us sacrificing like Jesus sacrificed for the Father's will. That, that our lives should look different. You should be willing to shed some things and put on new things so that you can look like who God has designed you to be. So you're going to be entertained different than the rest of the world. You're going to spend different than the rest of the world. You're going to invest different than the rest of the world. You're going you're to have relationships that look different than the rest of the world. There should be a difference. That's what holiness is. That's what, it's, that's what it requires of us, that we sacrifice something. And here's the thing that I notice again and again in my life. If I don't shed the things that God wants me to shed, he ends up putting me in situations where those layers have to be removed. So, so he's kind of like, he's such a gentleman that he's like, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shed that and put on the new you. Or... I'm going to let it go a little while so that you can see how bad this is without, without following the design that I have for you. And then ultimately, there's going to be a situation that comes where you're going to, there's no other choice than to let go of those things. And those moments are really, I mean, it really is following. No matter how, how faithful you follow Jesus, you're going to experience seasons of crushing anyway. Jesus experienced it. He was perfect, Right? But he still experienced the crushing of the father so that he could become exactly, step into exactly the calling that he had here on this earth. So you see that again and again. It says that God has identified us. Identified us. When you think about an artist and what an artist does, I was doing some research just digging into the heart, the artist and mediums and all these different things. And what an artist will do whenever he's using the medium of clay to make a bowl or a vase or a cup is it will throw a slab, a, a chunk of clay on this table that rotates. And I don't know, I've never done this. I've just seen videos of it. I've watched Ghost, you know. There's just a few, few times where I've seen it. But there's, there's a moment when the artist will take that clay, that glob of clay that just got thrown down on there, because it never lands exactly in the center. 
it'll, it'll land and the artist will start to take their hands and they'll bring in the clay from the edges as it's spinning. And as they bring it in, the clay starts to build up in like a tower. And, and, and as you're watching them do it, you can go on YouTube and watch this. It's called centering. And they'll take the clay and they'll bring it in and it'll, it'll build. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, I kind of see something there. I kind of see the beginnings of like a cup or, or a vase there. And, and as they do it, they may shape it a little bit and it starts to rise. And the higher it gets, the more they can tell how off center it is. And you'll see the clay will begin to wobble a little bit and it'll start to move a little bit. So what the, what the, what the artists will do is they will take their hand and they will take it from the top and they will crush down the clay. And they'll press it down and then they'll begin again. And if you watch it, sometimes they go four or five times building this clay up and it starts to look like something and then crushing it down. And it can be so frustrating to watch because it's like I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see the bowl. I'm starting to see the cup. I'm starting to see what's being created here. And, and some of us, when you're experiencing that from God, God is building us up. It's like you start to see momentum and progress and maturity in your life. And then all of a sudden you hit an event. Something happens in your life and you hike down Pikes Peak backwards and you realize, I do not have the character I thought I had. And God is crushing you again. And you're like, God, I was making so much progress. I could see it. Could you not see it? Everybody else could see it. Leave it alone. It's good enough. And God's like, I'm, I'm not okay with you just being the best version of you. The goal is that you would become like Jesus, right? So there's going to be an endless amount of crushing in this life that he's going to build you up and he's going to crush and it's going to be so, it's going to be miserable. And you're going to have so many questions. You're going to wonder why you do it. And on this side of heaven, it will never make sense but he's constantly forming us and he's centering us, bringing us back to the gospel, bringing us back to Jesus, bringing us back. Because here's the thing, I noticed there was a season where we had kind of like, we were in full-time ministry for 17 years, youth pastor, executive pastor, worship pastor, we planted a church, helped another pastor, friend of ours. And it's just like, through all these seasons, we went through moments where fostering our kids and then adopting them and then people leaving our church and saying false things about us and all of this. And you wonder, I used to think going through those moments of centering and crushing and centering and crushing, that God was getting me ready for like the next step in my ministry. And it's not, you know, it kind of makes sense. Well, of course, I've got to, to go to the next thing. I've got to conquer this thing and I'm becoming something and all this stuff. But I've realized over the years that God is more concerned about who I am than what I do for him. He, he's more concerned about who I am at my core than the things that I do for him in his name. And even if he's glorified, he's like, no, no, no. The, the most important thing is that you become like Jesus. So whether or not you're ready for the next step in your life or whatever or this, or this, you know, you get elevated, you get promoted, whatever. All that stuff is just stuff. But do you look like Christ? It's the most important thing. And what I've learned is that God will is so gracious that he gives me a chance. You can take it off and you can put on the new you. I'm gonna bring you to situations where it seems forced because nothing matters more than me becoming like Christ. And, it, and it's very painful sometimes. But I want us to, I want us to understand something. It's not just something that we go through. Jesus went through it. And he went through it for you. 
I was reading scripture the other day and this verse just kind of got thrown in this message almost last minute. Matthew 27, 28 through 31. I've read this so many times and I never really noticed this. It says, before Jesus goes to the cross, between the moment when he's whipped, he goes to the cross, it says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, grabbed the stick and struck him in the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe, put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. And when, when I read that this time, I felt at least for me, it helped make things clearer. And I think though it was very unwittingly, the Roman soldiers, the soldiers were making a statement about Jesus that was true. Hail the King of the Jews. He was the King. He's the King of the universe. He spoke our world and you into existence. And for that moment when they mocked him by putting royal looking clothes on him, it's like they were saying and reminding the world, this is who this is. But they put him back in his clothes to go to the cross. And when they put him back in his clothes, I believe this is ultimately what Jesus did. He gave up his royalty and put on humanity, put on our outfit. He became us so that we could be saved. He became like us so that we could become like him. Not gods, but sons of God, daughters of God. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. Jesus put on your sin so that you could put on his righteousness. Jesus put on your sin so that you could put on his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 in the message, I love how it says it. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. It's so incredibly powerful. Yeah, God's wanting you to change an outfit today. He wants you to take something off so that you can put on what he's designed you for. But he didn't just ask it of you. He asked it of Jesus as well. Jesus did it so that you could experience transformation, complete righteousness with God, right standing with God. You're a new creation in him when you step into relationship with him. And that's a beautiful thing. And I want to give you a chance to respond to that in a moment. But then probably the majority of us would say that I'm a Jesus follower. But honestly, there's moments when I get, when I get revealed, when who I really am comes to the surface. And God is going to be asking you to remove some things and put some things on too. A step in holiness, just to follow Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand as we close, and I just wanna, I wanna ask you two questions. I'm gonna ask people first who maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And this first question is for you, and would you put your faith in Jesus today? Because maybe the truth is, just like Barack, you've been, Barack the sheep has been carrying all that extra weight, and you've been carrying all that weight. And the, I love how Jesus even says that my burden, the thing I wanna give you is light, but the thing you come to me with is gonna be heavy. Let's, let's exchange outfits. Let's exchange all the trying and the striving for my righteousness. It's so light. It's so light. 
So Jesus wants to give you an opportunity today. If you raise your hand in just a moment to say, I want to follow Jesus. Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and him. I want to give you, I just want to make sure that you respond. Because what we want to do at, at Peak City is we want to make sure that you know what's next for you. So if you say yes to Jesus, we want to help you to get a Bible, to know what your next steps are, how do you follow him, and to get a community and learn about him more. So if that's, if that's you, maybe you're online, I want you to go to peakcityco.com. You can fill out a form and just say, hey, I raised my hand. If that's you in the room, tell somebody in info bar or somebody that you're praying with up here, you know, that's me. So I'm going to ask two questions. Nobody looking around. If you're here in the room today and you would say, you know what? I'm the first group of people that I realized today that I need Jesus. And, and, and what you said, that he came to take my place, that he died my death, a sinner's death on a cross. He exchanged clothes with me so that I could put on his righteousness. That seems unbelievable. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not unbelievable. It is a miracle, but it is true. God came to give you a rich and a satisfying life, a new life in him. So if today, maybe you're here and for the first time, you would say, I want to follow Jesus. Help me, count me in, pray with me. I want to follow Jesus. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you haven't, maybe you've done something like this years ago, but you would say, I am not faithfully following Jesus. If that's you, I've got people raising their hands already. But if there's anybody else in here on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus today. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. See hands all through the room. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to talk to us as Jesus followers in just a second. Can we just pray, though? Right now, Jesus, I thank you so much for those who are brave enough to lift their hands right now, saying that they need you, that they desire to follow you, that they understand that the weight on them is not what you designed them for. So God, right now, we make a decision to let go of the old, to lay it all down, to follow you, to step into the relationship with you that you designed us for. Thank you that as the perfect son of God, you came and you took my sin you died a sinner's death on a cross, but you were risen again, offering me new life today. So God, I step into that with joy. Even though I don't know all the answers, I know that right now you are what I need. So I step into it. In Jesus' name, could we just thank God for those who said yes to Jesus for the first time today? Thank you, Jesus. a moment we're going to sing again he's not done with me yet if you're a christian in the room you follow jesus but you would say you know what i will be honest and i will say that there are some things i need to shed today i want what's best for me i want what god has for me to understand it has to remove it has to involve me removing some things to put on the best things for me so if you're a christian in this room i just want you to just be honest and just say you know what would you just pray for me josh there's some things I got to let go of. I want to lay down because I want to step into a, a level of holiness with God that he's asking of me right now because I want to represent him. I want to be a good witness and I want what's best for my life as well. If that's you, you would say, I want to lay it down. I want to change it close today. Just lift your hand right now. Hands all over the place. Me too. This is me too. Jesus, you see all the hands. You know all the stories. You know everything that we're holding on to, the extra weight that we don't need. And God, we just pray that right now, as we make a decision to lay it down, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, help us to make it the reality of our life, that we would be lighter, that we would look more like you so that we can represent you to a lost world, to a lost city. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. 
If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.